That one event changed my life and go, let the doors open. Trust me, you won't regret it. You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. Today, our guest is John Davison. He's been involved with the Miracle League of the Triangle, and you've heard us talk about the Miracle League the last couple of weeks. But we wanted to bring John in because he's been um, involved in many different ways. So, John, welcome to the Water Period Chronicles. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So um, all of our guests kind of introduced themselves. So I'm going to let you tell us about yourself first, and then I'll I'll dig into the the questions that I have for you. Okay. Um, Yeah, I am not a native North Carolinian. I'm actually from the great Northeast, New Jersey, New York area. Um, Spent most of my life there. I've got uh, two children of my own, a daughter who's 21, another daughter who's 15, and two stepsons that are eight and six. I am a real estate agent and a real estate coach by profession. I am a recent Divinity School graduate. I'm an ordained minister, and I run a nonprofit organization. So I am very involved in my community, enjoy it, and have loved the last 10 years with the Miracle League. How did you first hear about the Miracle League? Yeah, so the the Miracle League uh, was introduced to me by Chris Cohen. Chris is the father of Max. Max is a former player now in the Miracle League, from the Miracle League. And Chris is an announcer also with the Miracle League. And I met Chris at a business networking function. He had a little book that he had written that he was handing out to everyone. And he told us that all the proceeds were gonna go to the Miracle League. And of course, that begged the question, what is the Miracle League? Right. And from there, Chris just opened the door and said, you know, come on out one day and take a look at what the Miracle League's all about. And I went out on a Saturday afternoon and that was my introduction to the Miracle League. Nice. So um, those that are listening, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes of the Water Prairie Chronicles, go back and listen to episode 18 to hear Benji Caps talk about what the Miracle League is. And um, he, he gives a really good overview. And if you watch the video, you'll be able to see some images of some of the kids that are playing. And then last week, we also interviewed Robin Rose, and he talked about how to start one up. But it's kind of interesting to hear the beginning of one and, and how, how, how the community gets involved. So if you've missed those, go back and listen to 18 and 19. But today we're, we're working on, on this one. So that, that'll kind of fill, fill in the blanks if, if you're not familiar with what the Miracle League is all about. So when you first started, you were a buddy. Is that correct? Was that your first step? Yeah. Yeah. The first time I came out, I'd, actually I buddied for one game one day to get exposure to the Miracle League. And after that one hour game, I went back, sat in my car for about 45 minutes and I completely broke down emotionally Mm -hmm. because I was so moved by the experience, um, the kids, the unconditional love that these kids just showed to everybody around them how grateful they were for the volunteers that had come out. And it's I had grown I grew up for a long time as a a child and and an adolescent in the 70s and the 80s with a a very good friend of mine who was on the autism spectrum and dyslexic now back then in the 70s you got that diagnosis and you were just lumped in to a group 
And that yep. was that. You were just labeled. So I grew up not even knowing my best friend had a learning disability. And eventually when we did die, you know, it did get diagnosed and we did figure it out. I, I was able to reflect back on that and realize that the connection between us was an, was an opportunity for both of us to sort of minister to each other, if you will, mm -hmm. as yeah. neurotypical and special needs together and, and look beyond those labels and just see a friendship. Yeah. And so going out to the Miracle League that first day, obviously flooded by a lot of emotions and a lot of those memories that came back again. Um, but it also drew a connection uh, for me that touched my heart and made me realize so much of that servant mentality that I had over the years that it had been with me since I was five years old and I yeah. didn't even realize it. So to see it come together in a formal setting like the Miracle League, just unbelievable. It was, it was um, uh, just an experience that I talk about over and over again. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't know anyone who has come even just to watch a game that hasn't had a change, a change of heart, a change of compassion, being able to look at their neighbor differently because they, it, it is, I think it goes beyond just appreciating what you have and are able to do. I think it's like you're saying, it's seeing that love and that acceptance. Um, the kids that come out there, these, these are ordinary kids. They want to play ball and, and they want right. to be part of a team. And to see that they're able to be part of a team, some of these kids, if they didn't find us till they were older, they've spent years being on the outside and now they're on the inside. They're able to be part of, part of a group, part of a club where they, where they belong. And it's almost like we're coming into their territory now. And um, it, it really, it really is, is emotional for a lot of people to come in and see it. Um, parents that are listening who have children who qualify to play, if you've never been out there, you're, you're going to feel like you belong now that you have people watching from the stands who understand how you feel. They know how many doctor appointments you've had, how many struggles with school you've had, things like that. And so you don't have to explain why you're having a good or a bad day because everybody sitting beside you has had that same day as you have at some point. <laughs> and right. so, so I, I, f I feel like the blessing goes beyond just the kids. It's, it's the entire family and, and the community yeah. that's supporting them. So you started as a buddy. So you had an hour one day and then going to hit you there. So did you stay on as a buddy or what did you do after that? No, I, I immediately uh, talked to Cindy and said that I'd like to be an assistant coach. So I started out with the little kids on Saturday morning, five, okay. six, seven, eight year old kids. Um, started as an assistant coach for one season. Again, very short lived, short <laughs> career as an assistant. And they said, look, would you like to be a head coach? Because I was able to take my organizational skills, you know, into the coaching aspect and it, it seemed to work really well. And it was something I wanted to do. And right. so from that point, 10 years ago, I, uh, I became a coach. I've been coaching ever since. Uh, I've morphed that into announcing. I've been announcing now for four years. And also uh, I've been an advocate for the league to bring volunteer groups and open up opportunities for people. My youth group at my church, my coworkers, my clients and the people closest to me come out. We volunteer twice a year, uh, you know, just through my, my nonprofit organization, once in Raleigh, once in Cary. And then uh, I also bring out my work crew once a year also to Cary. So uh, yeah, I've experienced every facet of it at this point. And um, it's just an opportunity to be an ambassador for a great cause 
And I tell people all the time, and, and I, when I announce, I close every season the same way. I say, I just want to let you know how grateful I am. I am probably the most selfish person because for 10 years I keep coming back, not because I think I'm doing for others, but because of how much I get from being at that field with those kids, with those families, you know, Friday nights and Saturday mornings, eight times every spring, eight times every fall. It is just a tremendous, it fills me up. And I tell people, if you want to catch me on a good day, I can guarantee you by 12 o'clock on Saturday, when I'm done announcing those two games in the morning and I've had Friday night with my, my team, I am in the best mood on Saturday because I feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I feel so grateful. Um, and it's these kids, it, just the way that they, they don't, it was amazing to go out and realize these kids are looking at us. They don't care what our political affiliation is. They don't care race, creed, color, religion, economic status, doesn't matter. All they know is you're present, you're with them, and you're giving them your time. That's all they want. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing to experience. That It's a humbling experience for sure. Some of the pictures that are coming to mind as you're talking, I'm picturing one of the boys that used to play on Emily's team when she was in high school. And he was getting too big for it, but he would run to his coach and jump on him. He had done that since he was seven, eight, whenever he started playing and um, hadn't realized that he had grown so much, but <laughs> but but his coach would still grab him at the end and, and he, he was ready for it when he'd come. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it, it's true because I've graduated up to like the high school kids now. Yeah. So the Friday night team is their high school age children. And um, yeah, these kids are big. Some of these kids are big boys. Yeah, you know, there's some pretty big boys, and they can hit the ball a long way. Well, they can't so. when when they finally are strong enough to hit it over the fence. It's fun to watch them then because it just goes soaring. And and I mean, yeah. who who doesn't like the feeling of hitting a home run, you know, and hitting right. it over the fence? <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's so cool that that the league recognized that aspect of things, and then created the adult league, and then the Wednesday night league, for, right? You know, where it's like real baseball, outs and balls and strikes and all that stuff. So. They have done a great job um, adapting along the way to keep yeah. this thing available to these people that are that are players for the rest of their lives if they want to. When we're in the Raleigh, Durham, Cary area of North Carolina, so there's two two fields open now, soon to be a third one over in the Durham area. We're not sure where's go where where beyond that they may continue building, but at least in this area, there's there's well we'll, we'll consider for all points and purposes there's three fields right now they're they're full pretty much every every time that they're open but they've done a great job organizing i think because they do as you say they've got the high school league so now you have kids that are physically getting stronger and faster and and coordinated enough to really hit the ball sometimes not playing with kids that are little that aren't ready for that and aren't watching for the ball yet and then you have those more challenging um, options too for the kids who who are able and interested in it they have that challenger league where they are playing a game of baseball. And as, as Benji said in his interview, they, they, they know who wins, but they also know who loses. <laughs> so, right. On that, that team, that Wednesday night league, they do. Yeah. For sure they do. But yeah, I, I had the, um, the good fortune to be able to announce a game, the, a Wednesday night game last year. Oh, um, fun. At, at the USA ballpark. Oh, wow. Um, which was really neat for the kids. So we got to sit in like a real you know, announcer's booth and they got to play on a real baseball field. And it's just opportunities like that to see 
USA Baseball, the Mudcats, the, the Durham Bulls, all come together and create opportunities for these kids, you know, yeah. to feel like big leaguers. It's, it's, it's just great to see that spread throughout the community. So going back a little bit, you mentioned a couple of things, but before I get into that, I wanted to ask you about the coaching. Um, what type of training did they give you when you made the step to become a head coach or even an assistant coach? What type of training did you, did you get from that? Did you feel like you were ready to go when you got to the field the first time? Yeah, the, um, the coaching, that's a good question. The coaching, we have a kickoff meeting at the beginning of every season. So the kickoff meetings now, um, you know, they're, we know what they're going to say because we've been through it so many times. But those first few, they break it down for you, the different roles of the coach. Are you going to be the pitching coach, the batting coach, the okay. dugout coach? So they break it down, which is awesome. So you know what the roles are. Um, and then as far as the uh, actually being a coach, since I had coached Little League most of my life anyway, that aspect of it was second nature. Right. So for me to be able to go to the dugout coach and say, well, this kid's up to bat now, but you got to let the next one know to stand over here. And the one after that to be up and ready in the dugout, so that kind of organizational stuff came naturally. But the league has videos and in-person training. Anybody can learn this stuff. Good. And chances are you're on a team that's got a seasoned coach that's been a coach in the Miracle League. So it's and they are right there to guide you through and and to offer you opportunities to basically plug in wherever you want. I mean, there are some coaches they love to stay in the dugout. And there are some coaches that don't want to get near the dugout because there's a <laughs> lot of people in that dugout and they'd rather be out there pitching or helping them one-on-one. -on -one. So it, there's a lot of opportunity and the training sort of continues throughout the season and then everybody just sort of grows into it. But I think that something that we actually haven't mentioned in the last two interviews, I don't think, um, and you had mentioned um, being out pitching, the coaches pitch to the kids. The kids aren't pitching to each other. And they have a tee that they can use if they need it. Um, right. Volunteers, the, the buddies that are with them can help them swing if they need someone to help them with that part. Um, pretty much every child is unique in how they approach their at-bat, depending on what they need. And everyone successfully hits the ball, um, no matter how many pitches. I know, I, I, I think you pitched at least 20 at one point to Emily on one game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was mostly... Bad, those are mostly bad pitches. That's why there was 20. So. <laughs> well, you were pitching to a visually impaired child, too. So that there, there is a point to right. that. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, probably, I can't imagine how many pitches I've thrown you know, over the years. And it's been nice to, to get some like younger folks come in. This season, I had two just out of college age uh, kids. On, I say kids because I'm 55. They are kids. Kids on, <laughs> yeah. coaching on my team. And it was neat to be able to just turn the ball over to them and say, you guys go ahead and pitch if that's what you want to do and just empower yeah. them to to embrace the opportunities that the Miracle League has to offer. And it's it's just phenomenal. But yeah, I mean, it's a great setup. The kids hit the ball. Uh, every kid goes to second base on their hit, then scores on the next hit. So there's at least a structure to it. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, <laughs> there are plenty of kids that go right past second base. <laughs> You know, and want to just keep running, and that's okay too. But it, it is awesome to see the kids all be able to get their hits. There's no balls, no strikes, no outs, and it's, everybody bats through the lineup, so you get the bat two times every game, right? And it always ends in a tie, which is great. 
when the I've noticed on some of the Instagram sites that I've seen from some of the other Miracle Leagues, it looks like some of them may actually go to first base instead of to second. So I don't know um, if you're listening from outside of our area, whatever your local Miracle League does is is, is what you'll do. But we're, we're we're just giving you an idea on this one how how it's running with ours. But um, but I know they're they have I think over 300 fields now that are open, and I'm not sure how many more in the works. And um, just I'll go and make a note here while we're talking about it. If you're listening and you're and you're wanting to find out if there's a field near you and you're not in our area, I'll put in the show notes the contact for the national office because Stephanie there will be the one that you'll contact and she keeps the active list so that even if it's not on the website yet, she'll she'll be able to tell you what the what the closest one is for you. And if you don't have one near you, go back and listen to last week's episode and start one so that we, we can get it going in, in your area too. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on then. So the other thing that, that you mentioned was your nonprofit. Yeah. Tell, 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 tell me what this is and how you're incorporating that in with the Miracle League. Oh, okay, so back in 2018, beginning of 2018, um, there was a family that I knew through my the Miracle League, through my team. I coached their son, and they also had a daughter who was 15 years old at the time. And I got a text message on a Saturday morning from her mother. And her mother said, just told me, she says, I just, just want to let you know that my daughter uh, passed away on Wednesday. Um, yeah, she, she, um, she died from suicide. Okay. And she okay. said, the service is tomorrow. Do you want to be there? And I, you know, naturally I took a step back, got back in the car, composed myself and said, you know, um, I do. And I want to bring my daughter because mm -hmm. my daughter was just a, a, a year older than, than this young lady back then. And, um, she had struggled with depression and anxiety. My daughter had, mm -hmm. and I knew there was a story behind, you know, behind Savannah. Right. And, uh, I went to the service and it was just unbelievable to see a sanctuary loaded with all different kinds of people that love this girl. And then to sit there and I told my daughter, I said, if you ever think that you're alone in anything, take a look around because there yeah. are people everywhere that love you. You are never alone. And I walked through that. And then the family, when I went to the, receive the reception line and receive the family, um, I had never quite seen shock up close before. And I could see that how they were in shock. Oh yeah. And how deep, deeply emotional that was. And they said, the, the mother said to me, uh, she says, you know, we want to sell our house. Can you help us sell our house? Now as a real estate agent, yeah, you want business, but not like this. No, not like this at all. And excuse me for about three months. I, um, I would visit the house and I met so many different family members as they were supporting this family and got to know the story and, and could kind of draw my own conclusions as to what had happened and uh, what she must have been going through. And it was tough. And I finally got to the point where they said, we're ready to talk about putting the house on the market. Well, long story short, I walked through this with them for about a year and a half. Wow. And when we discussed the compensation, I said, I, I don't want to get paid to do this. And they were so kind and they said, no, no, you're going to work for this. And I said, let's compromise. How about we donate the money? 
And I said, can you think of a cause? And they said, uh, how about the Miracle League? Because we're all passionate about that. And I said, done deal. We went to the closing that, that after the house had been sold, went to the closing day. And I left the attorney's office. And I sat in my car and I looked at the check, the commission check. And I knew where it was going to go. And something came over me. Something came over this, this divinity school student in his <laughs> mid-50s who was struggling with where he fit and what his purpose was in life. And something tugged at me and said, this doesn't have to be a one-time donation. You can do this more than just this one time. And I tried to follow that feeling. And about three months later, after meeting with some people that run nonprofits, I said, I'm going to form a nonprofit. And that nonprofit, the goal of You Before Me Foundation is to take five local nonprofit organizations and promote them and support them in our community. Now, these are small nonprofits, like the Miracle League, relatively small compared to like the Red Cross or right. Wounded Warriors and support these local people and give them the exposure that they deserve to their community. And what better way to do that than through real estate agents that are every day moving people into these communities. Right. And so that became the platform. And we, we support these five nonprofits, the Miracle League being one of them, in two capacities. One, financially. So the real estate agents, when they have a closing, they make a donation. But we insist that when the donation is made, that their clients review the five nonprofits we support and that they get to choose who the money's going nice. to go to. So nice. everybody's involved. Everybody has their hands on the decision-making process. Uh, that's one way we help to support them, these organizations financially. And we, we sponsor and support the Miracle League, uh, Brown Bag Ministries of Apex, which feeds the homeless. Wake Up and Read, which is a literacy nonprofit in Raleigh. Chatham County Council on Aging, which supports the aged community. And then the Cora Food Pantry in Chatham County, which feeds uh, you know, the people that are marginal in the community, people of lower socioeconomic standing. So the other way we decided we would help was through volunteers. So we circle right back to what we talked about at the beginning when you asked me about being a buddy. And I said, we're gonna help support these organizations. So when they have activities, we have a calendar of their activities and they say, we need buddies for the Miracle League. We need people to bag bologna sandwiches for the homeless. We need people to put books out in these elementary schools in Southeast Raleigh. We go right to the real estate community. We tap the realtors and we say, what better way to work side by side, shoulder to shoulder with the very people that you do business with or have done business with, let them come out. And if they have a heart and you have a heart, come out and do this together. And it creates an opportunity for us to plug volunteers in to the community. And the goal would be to continue to grow beyond five nonprofits. Um, our, our motto is, as long as everyone at the table is getting fed, we'll continue to invite people to the table. And that's what we do. The nonprofit has been, COVID sort of interrupted things back in, yeah. in 2020, yeah. but um, we've been going strong for a little over a year now. 
and continuing to grow and continuing to expose the community to these five tremendous nonprofit organizations that are doing such good work. I think it's a great idea. It's um, and the the fact that the the clients that you have coming in, you're exposing them, you're giving them a, a chance to be able to help, but you're also exposing them to being aware of what's in their community. But it right. is hard when you first relocate, feeling like you you actually belong and are plugged in. So, um, so I, yeah. I, I think it's great. Yeah, and being in the nonprofit community now, I'm aware of more and more nonprofit organizations in the community. Um, our goal. With, with you before me is to get it right and do it really well here right now. And then honestly, Tanya, my passion is going to be to continue to let my team handle our real estate business. And for me to slowly step further and further out into traveling and moving across the country into other communities where there are real estate agents that are passionate about taking this model and and planting a you before me in st louis or or that's great uh, florida or colorado wherever they want we've got the infrastructure to vet the nonprofits in those areas mm -hmm. and all we need the realtors to do we just need one one realtor kicks it off and gets it going and the next thing you know we can get into that community yep. build a real estate based community that can then bring their clients in and then it becomes this I'm a divinity school student, so, right. you know, excuse, excuse the reference, but just like they said back in after, after Jesus had done his ministry and, and ascended and Paul, his job then was to plant those churches all around mm -hmm. the Mediterranean. And he did, did just that. And we, we've thought of that model of planting you before me uh, all around the communities throughout the country so that someday it can be a net large network. That's just all moving towards the same cause, strengthening neighborhoods, making right. neighbors, and and giving everybody the exposure to these nonprofits that the nonprofits, quite frankly, deserve. Because these people work really hard, and they are definitely not in it for the money. Right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the link for for that organization in the show notes too. So if you're listening and you're in real estate, check check this out. Connect, connect with John. See maybe 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 you can can find a few contacts. I will talk to anybody from anywhere right. that has a heart that's passionate about this stuff because it gets it definitely gets me going. Yeah, I I, I appreciate you sharing about that because I I was really intrigued when I first saw saw your website. I thought it's it's great what you're doing there, and knowing that that your your larger picture of where you're heading to is is encompassing so much more. I I, I think it's great, and like you say, it's 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 serving the local community. Right. You're just giving them the organization to get it going and to kind of oversee the protections and all while they're doing that. So I, I could see it easily being able to roll it across. Yeah. There's so. one, one other thing. I, I don't want to fail to mention this because it's really important to me. This was super important. Um, when we did start You Before Me, the You Before Me Foundation, our first agenda item was to create three $500 scholarships for the Miracle League of the Triangle, for families of the Miracle League of the Triangle. So what we do is we hand applications out at the beginning of the season and say, oh. if you know anybody that might just need a hand right now, maybe they're going through a tough time. We've developed these three scholarships, created them. And what we do is we take the applications, the bo our board reviews them. And then at the end of the season, 
we announce who the three recipients will be. And we've done this one season already. This past season was the second season. We haven't awarded them yet, so I don't want to let Great. the cat out of the bag. But, um, and what we did was these are called the Savannah Mall uh, Educational okay. Scholarships. And that's a living legacy to Savannah's life because our theory, every life is precious. Yes. And we wanted, we wanted the goodness and that was Savannah to be able to live on. And we're able to do this now in perpetuity for the nice. Miracle League and the families. Nice. So is this for any age child and any type of need that they might have? Or are there as long restrictions? As they're a Miracle League player. Okay. Yeah. As long as they're a Miracle League player, uh, they're eligible. Once somebody's awarded, um, you know, $500, we will wait a season, at least one season, um, to be able to make them eligible again. But okay. pretty much anyone's eligible. And the beauty is we're giving everyone there the opportunity to nominate someone else. They can nominate themselves or they right. can, in anonymity, say, and I know that like the first season we gave it out, COVID was still a thing, you know, back in 2021. And there were three families that were adversely affected. Mm. And we were able to, you know, award them with the $500. And nice. the days I got to stand there and take the pictures, you know, for, for our foundation website to say, hey, man, we are trying to make a difference. Those were the best days. To see. And the thank yous the, and the phone calls. At first, the phone calls I got from the three families <laughs> and the tears and the gratefulness. I was not what I expected. Right. Was not but, what I expected. And it was, yeah. So we're, we're doing that each, you know, like I said, each year we're, we're going to keep doing that and uh, just hopefully blessing the families that bless us every time we're out there. That's great. All right. So before we finish the interview, I just wanted to ask you for anyone that's considering volunteering, whether it's as a buddy, as an announcer for the games, as a coach, as an assistant coach in any way, do you have any advice that you would pass on to them? Yeah, this is very deep. Just do it. Seriously, <laughs> just do it. Don't don't talk yourself out of it. Don't try to, don't imagine what it might be. I would just tell people, and I, I did this with my daughters. Both of them have been um, volunteers, buddies, buddies, coaches, assistant coaches with my team. And one of them actually worked for the league as like a field manager. Yeah. So I would just say, just just go out and do it. Don't think about it. Just get to the league, go to the website. Uh, there's a volunteer button there. You can sign up to be a volunteer, go out and do it. Be a buddy for one game and one hour will change your life. One hour changed my life 10 years ago and it's impacted my life in a way that I just don't think I'd be where I am today if I hadn't gone out because some guy said, Oh, I'm selling this book and giving the proceeds <laughs> to the Miracle League. I'm like, brother, I'm here for real estate. This is supposed to be a business <laughs> networking meeting. Wherever you are, you're there for a reason. Listen to what's going on around you because it may the purpose of you being there may not even be why you thought you were there. Hmm. I thought I was there for a networking event 10 years later. <laughs> that one event changed my life. And Chris has become a good friend. Um, Chris and Michelle, the family, and Max. Uh, just has opened up so many doors. Go, let the doors open. Trust me, you won't regret it. Great, great advice. I could not have said that any better. Now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the interview. It's our speed round. <laughs> 
The speed okay. round is 10 questions. Three are open-ended. You can say whatever you want as long as it's, it's appropriate or you can just pass. And okay. then the last seven are either or questions. So you're just choosing one or the other. You can pass and you can say both. So there really are no rules. <laughs> so, okay, good. And you, you like can even make rules. up another answer if, if you don't like what I give you. <laughs> yep. So first question, what's your favorite color? Blue. And what was the last book that you read? Oh, um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Huh. All right, what's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Um, all right, so the rest of these are all either or questions. So cake or ice cream? Both. Oh, <laughs> I think that's the first booth on that one. Yep, both. Ba Batman or Superman? Superman. Ocean or mountains? Mountains. Winter or summer? Summer. Ooh, you, 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 you mixed up there. Usually it's mountains and winter, ocean and summer. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, watch a movie or read a book? Watch a movie. Harry Potter yeah. or Lord of the Rings? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say Harry Potter because my daughters love it. And <laughs> and I have like nothing in common with my daughters when it comes to books and movies and sports because they're not into sports and I'm not into Harry Potter. <laughs> but I have learned more about this Harry Potter stuff over the years from the two of them. So I'm going to say for them, I'm going to say Harry Potter. All right. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Instagram. John, thank, thank you for taking the time to to share your experience as as a volunteer with the Miracle League. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Tanya. All right, thanks. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye Take bye. care. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.